are the Coin Boys, your average everyday crypto bros. That's right, it's Andy, aka producer, by the way, or producer BTW on Twitter. And sitting right across from me is Daniel Gutierrez. What's almost, up, everybody? Uh, you did slip. You slipped and you tripped and you almost fell, though. You didn't it's fall. It's okay. Uh, yeah, I'm Daniel Gutierrez uh, at dgutierrez84 on Twitter if you want to say what's up. What's up, man? Not much. It was a good we just uh, We, we just, just saw each other we just yesterday. We saw each other. And yeah. now we're now we're here today. But first off, we wanted to welcome all those. If if any of you are new to our show, uh, welcome. You can find a lot of information about us at thecoinboys.com. Uh, and we always tell newcomers this is not the end all be all. There is no end all be all coin token whatever. You need to learn a lot about different technologies because in the future, even if the coin fails, even if it if the technology doesn't keep on going through, um, something from there will will make it through. So you need to know about it. Yeah, that's that's pretty much the the mantra right there. You hit it on the nose, Daniel. That's correct. I will hit you it. You did it very I will hit it smooth again this time. Like I mean, we've yeah. been preaching it for about a year, right? Uh-huh. Uh huh. But also, uh, we have blogs coming. I did my first ever video game kind of like fun playthrough, which I think I'm going to start doing where we try to get some more blockchain games on here, which we mentioned yesterday, but I'm going to start playing those more and, and, and doing them, Daniel. So yeah. look out for those. And be sure to rate, subscribe, and review us on wherever you're listening to us. And most importantly, if you're new, understand this. We have a phone number, 424-372-7437. Leave a message uh and we talked about this yesterday yes the grandma we have a contest oh and we're not tweeting this out we're only doing this to people who are listening to the podcast and are actively if you can get your grandma to leave a message on our phone number we will get you a pizza now we will pick the best the best one out of all of them uh we'll be one winner and we have a pizza history to prove yeah. we've given pizzas before. So on the message, be sure to leave a, a way to contact you. We'll, we'll, we'll cut that out of the show, but leave a way to contact you somehow yes. and make uh, it nice and clear. With that said, with that said. Um, hopefully you guys enjoy us. Uh, uh, Monday nights, by the way, we did say we do a show yesterday. Monday nights we do uh, more of a looser show about the news and kind of just about everyday lives and what we're doing. In general, you're going to get a lot about the Oscars if you <laughs> hear the one from yesterday. But um, <laughs> but that's when we kind of talk about just news and different kind of concepts in general, kind of to get the, to get questions out. So we will be playing those voicemails on that show. If you have a question, if you have a comment or anything like that, that's where the open discussion is for. Mm-hmm. We want we want you know it's fine and all. You get your grandma on, and we give you a pizza. But you know we love interacting and engaging with you guys. So yeah. please. Um, Please ask questions, whatever it might be about projects or how to research things or how do we take Now, you can also email us because there's some people who can't dial this phone number. I understand sure. that. This sure. is basically for Americans. What so is that? Feel free to email us, thecoinboys at thecoinboys.com as well. Tweet us, tweet at us at Coinboys Podcast. And the IG as well is, is Coinboys Podcast. Yes. So with that said, guys, welcome to our in-depth interview. And we don't have a necessarily a, a blockchain project today. We are huge on education. That's the whole point of, of us even starting this whole podcast. We were educating ourselves on what this technology is, was, but we can only go so far because we are very average in terms of what we know in terms of coding. So we have Nilu Revai here, and she is the head of education at a company called Block Geeks. And you know what? I love the name, but why don't we let her explain? Here's Nilu. Um, so BlockGeeks is um, an education company. So you guys can imagine something like Coursera or edX, that type of a product or company, but focusing entirely on um, education in the crypto space. So when we started out, what 
we noticed and what a lot of our founders who were like big people in the crypto space had noticed was that there was a lot of demand for um, development like developing on the blockchain and things like that. And there wasn't a lot of supply and it was very difficult for even uh, software developers who were, you know, engineers and creating typical softwares to understand what blockchain is and to be able to make that transition from typical software development to blockchain engineering. Um, and so when we started out, that was really our main focus. And we wanted to essentially be a resource for software developers so that they could learn the skills they needed to start developing on the blockchain in a more um, streamlined and easy way that was more accessible than a lot of sources that were available initially that were very uh, technically heavy. So that's where we started and we had a lot of coding courses and things like that. Um, and as we kind of grew, we saw that there was a much bigger need, not just for developers, but also just for uh, bringing uh, blockchain knowledge to the masses and to helping to help this technology essentially scale. Because one of the biggest things we noticed was people were struggling with what a blockchain is. People were struggling with understanding what cryptocurrency is, um, understanding it from like an investment perspective, understanding what kinds of use cases it had. And it essentially was this great barrier to entry where people who were not already in the crypto space were very intimidated to join. Um, and so that's why we start to create all this different kind of content to help people kind of not be so intimidated and scared of what blockchain is and to kind of, you know, wade in and learn a little bit about what it is and see how they could apply it in their own lives. Awesome. That's cool. Uh, and I just, we're going to come back and ask a, a bunch more questions about Block Geeks, but when I want to like backtrack, I want to learn a little bit about your history and how you ended up at Block Geeks, if you don't mind, whether it's kind of before crypto leading into crypto and how you discovered yeah, so that. Where are you from? originally and how did, and what was your like educational background? In, in, sure. In yeah. Um, <laughs> so my story is a little bit strange. Um, so I started out actually um, being uh, a filmmaker. So I studied film. That's in, who we in, are. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're from the entertainment <laughs> yeah. industry. We just did an Oscar special yesterday. Oh, no way. <laughs> it wasn't supposed to be one, but we did it. We anyways. talked about it anyway. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. It's funny too. Even at blockings right now, we have literally, uh, three people who are film majors and they're in crypto. So it's kind of interesting how a lot of film people gravitate towards that. But um, anyways, yeah, so I started out as um, a filmmaker. I studied film and screenwriting in university. Then um, kind of once I graduated from school, I realized that the way that it was presented to us in school was very different than what the actual industry was and what the reality of working in the film industry was. So you know, once I was kind of like struggling with that, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, and then I really started connecting with the people I was working with. And I really found that the tech environment was somewhere that I really liked to be in. Um, so then I uh, basically took this boot camp program called Lighthouse Labs here in Toronto um, and learned how to code. Um, and then that was a really good segue for me to start working as a software developer. Um, and then I started working at a fintech startup called ClearBank, uh, working as a software developer, um, and then working on product and operations with them. Um, and then from there, I believe how I got into crypto was through ClearBank, actually, because last year when um, you know, the crypto bubble was happening, obviously we were a fintech company, so they were interested as well. Um, so, and then kind of was like, let me go and see what um, this whole thing is about. So I ended up going to a couple of meetups, got introduced to Block Geeks. And 
the reason I was super interested in blockings is because I came from this sort of self-learned background. And when I wanted to learn about blockchain, I was looking for the same kind of shortcut. I didn't want to go through and learn all like the back history of everything. I just wanted to, the same way that I'd learned coding from Lighthouse Labs, I just wanted that sort of quick, just give me enough information so I can do something mentality. So that's essentially why I became interested in BlockGeeks. And I started talking to uh, Amir, the CEO, and a couple of other people who were working there at the time. And then from there, um, after a while, because I guess the company was still uh, pretty small, they said, hey, if you're interested in this technology and you want to learn about it more, you have a technical background, uh, come on as a teacher and like you get to learn about blockchain and teach it to people at the same time. So and I thought that was like a really cool opportunity because I was spending so much time already like learning about crypto in my spare time. So getting to do that as a full time job seemed amazing. Nice. I have wow. I have a theory. Sure. And this theory is filmmakers are natural educators and can be because our I, the goal is to give out a message, whatever that message is in, in the art form. But when you know exactly what it is that you have to do, usually um, filmmakers can make it kind of fun and, and me more memorable. Um, and then there's another thing, another theory as to why I feel, feel a lot of filmmakers are coming into crypto. And that is it is a pain in the butt to make all the money possible that you can from your own content. You're splitting it with YouTube. You're splitting it with uh, any other any other kind of web service that you're that you're kind of associated with or you're or you have to kind of uh, cut costs or you, there's so many different things that that you're trying to do just so you can make money off of your own content that i feel like blockchain giving you the power to sell and promote and do the whole thing and 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 get get money from there uh is kind of a a great a, a nice little lure for all of us to come in there i don't know but that's my theory well we had we this. had a, a a few other people like taylor monahan with uh my crypto she's from she came from the entertainment industry as well um yeah, yeah. uh we learned on our podcast she's actually with from out here and uh we're, we're close out here from where we're at here in la yeah she was on and and she told us a little backstory and i was like oh cool like because we have in common with all these these film majors that are in, in crypto i think there is a lore from uh entertainment industry into crypto there's there's definitely a lot of people uh, that yeah, that it's interesting. I also feel like m maybe because as a filmmaker, you're so used to this lifestyle of kind of living in ultimate risk that yes. crypto, <laughs> it fits into your mindset well. Like you, you're used to the instability of it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Wow. I think you nailed it there. That's true. <laughs> yep, it's 100% yeah. true. It's like, you know what? It's better than nothing. I'll try this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's more stable than film. That's it really, <laughs> truly is. That's why we're here right now. Uh, great. So, so awesome. So you created Block Geeks. And, and so now if you guys want to go there, you guys can go to blockgeeks.com and check out, check out everything that they have there. Um, my question to you is: Obviously, you're you're trying to um, educate people and 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 get them the the tools that they need to become uh, engineers in the in the in the blockchain space. Um, but is there something that the average everyday user, somebody who's not necessarily trying to become a software developer or anything like that, uh, that sh they should know about blockchain and blockchain technology that they should study up on? Yeah. So a lot of the content. So. When we started out, we were much more engineering focused, but as we kind of grew, a lot of our content just became more focused because we realized even like the engineers, the part that was difficult for them wasn't uh, like the coding particularly because they were skilled in that already, but it was actually just understanding the basic concepts of 
what a blockchain is and how it works and more importantly, why it's useful or where it's useful. Um, and so I noticed that in my like teaching through the courses and also going to events and everything like that, I noticed that across the board from like the first person who doesn't know anything about crypto to the person who's a coder, that seemed to be the ultimate question, which is like one thing is like how it works, which is like not everybody needs to know the details of that the same way that we don't necessarily know the details of like how the internet works right now. But what is really important for everybody to know is what problem does it solve and where is it useful versus where is it not? So those would be the yeah. things that I would say for everybody, regardless of your level of technical skills that you should be able to understand. That's a great point. Where's the problem? How does it solve it? Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, thank you for that one. Um, now, who are the people that you feel would benefit the most from from uh, from Black Geeks? Like, what? Um, who should seek you seek out your help? Basically, sure. Um, so, I would definitely say a lot of our like majority of our content and like the way that we kind of present ourselves selves is geared towards uh, people who want to enter into the crypto community and into the crypto space. So like, I'm sure you guys are a part of this space and you kind of know the players and everything. There's people who are already kind of a part of this space and they're, you know, on Twitter and they're on Medium and they're kind of involved in the community. But there's also a lot of people who are kind of standing on the out outskirts and they're saying, I'm, I'm interested in this, but I'm too intimidated to step in, not just into the, um, into like the technology and understanding the tech, but also into the community as well. And so Block Geeks is really made for that person who wants to, regardless of how much level of technical detail you want, if you want to kind of, whether it's using, understanding what blockchain is and using it for your business, whether you just want to learn uh, what is cryptocurrency and like how to set up a wallet, like all these types of questions where um, there's, you know, even understanding things like what are they doing? Like companies like MakerDAO, Cosmos, Aeon. We have courses on all these companies where we explain um, in simple terms what these companies do and how these applications work. So I would say probably the people who would benefit the most from Block Geeks are people who are not necessarily super technical and they're not looking for like a deep dive into like the mechanics of how things work, but they're just kind of, they want to kind of learn enough to be able to use the blockchain in their lives. And they want to get a simple, easy explanation that's fast. Um, and that's essentially how we, what we think about when we create content. Wow. Awesome. Now I, I do want to ask, since you, you guys are in the educational field and uh, Daniel and I have had maybe one other person that's kind of in an educational realm mm -hmm. in crypto, mm -hmm. what do you think about the future of crypto being a part of general education? In, in school systems. Do you think that will ever will happen? Will that ever happen? Do you, what do you think, or has that ever been mentioned around your circles or stuff? That's a very interesting question. I had never thought about that, to be honest with you. Um, one of the things that's really interesting about crypto is, and blockchain specific, like blockchain in general, not necessarily just crypto, is that it's really just super interdisciplinary. That in the sense that if you look at it, it's not like, blockchain is something like math where it's its own thing. It's just a bunch of different things that are placed together. So for example, there's cryptography, there's economics, there's finance, there's law, and all these different disciplines that already existed are kind of like put together in an interesting fashion to create this thing that is blockchain. So as far as education goes, I wonder if 
more emphasis placed on understanding those core concepts, like cryptography would play a bigger role in schools or like economics would, or, you know, maybe that means that education will be more modularized in the sense that you'll, you know, instead of having like mathematics and you'll dive deep into all of the things about mathematics, you'll just have things like modules, like, okay, blockchain, and then you'll learn all the interdisciplinary skills that you need to learn in that realm. So both both models could be interesting. I, I, I personally am more interested in the second type because I feel like it's more um, useful because you can just learn enough about different things as much as you need and then um, actually apply that knowledge. Well, I'm going to mention uh, when I was uh, in high school, I remember there was a class. I forget what the class was, but they taught me how to write a check. And uh, I was in high school. <laughs> so it was, it's still useful today. So no, no, it's not useful. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, Imagine they teach you how to send money, crypto, to, yeah. ki- to maybe that. I mean, it would have to be simplified, I would think. Because right now, that's the problem in crypto is is the educate. Like, like it's hard for a new person to jump into crypto like right away and, mm-hmm. and understand everything. They need to research a little bit. Um, and I think we're not, you know, that's important for adoption. And education is going to be a really big part of that. And I think yeah. I think it's cool what you guys are doing, at least, and helping developers and, and educating people on 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 the space but i think we need more of it actually yeah Yeah. i guess my point do you think there's a enough of it right now or is it very is it a small circle it's a very small circle i I would say there's nowhere near and there's nowhere near enough and every company in the space every person that you talk to their main concern is education and that's even education in the realm of like so for example any company like whatever, like Polymath, MakerDAO, all these are companies that are actually building crypto products and they want adoption for their product. Their number one barrier to entry is that people don't know what blockchain is. So then even these companies that are trying to essentially like market their business are finding that they're hindered by education because people are just not even understanding that baseline of like what this thing does, let alone like what your application does in that context. So um, it's actually like education in this space is one of the most uh, needed, but also not as much. Uh, there's not a lot being done in it, right? Yeah. Now, that kind of kind of brings up a, a different, an interesting topic. I haven't really asked anybody this question, but I, I figure maybe you would be the best person to ask this question. <laughs> if somebody, a new person, comes up to you and asks you, you know, what is Bitcoin? They come up to you and they ask you, what is Bitcoin? How, what do you tell them in order for them to understand and to comprehend the, the, the usefulness of this technology? So the way that I would describe Bitcoin is um, it's essentially digital cash. So if you think about cash, there's two components to it. One um, is the sense that, sorry, it's a sense that it doesn't require any kind of middleman to transact, right? So if I have, um, you know, if I have a... $20 bill and I want to buy something from you, I essentially just have to have that $20 bill and then I can give it to you and you can take it. And there's nobody else except you and me that has to be involved in that transaction. Um, so that's one part of cash. But then the other part of it, which is kind of its hindrance, it is a physical asset or it's a physical resource. So if you have, you know, $10 million in cash, you have to physically store it somewhere. And you can only transact with someone in real time if you're both in the same place. So I can't give you $20 when you're in LA and I'm in Toronto. I can only do that if we're both in the same place at the same time. So that actually creates um, a barrier for cash to be able to be used because it has all these limitations. Whereas digital currency, um, 
essentially like if I wanted to send you a wire transfer or something, I could do that. I could transact with you. But now we have to go through these intermediaries like banks and SWIFT and things like that, which not only have a lot of power and control and they can essentially say, you know, I can see all of your transactions. I can choose to close your bank account if I wanted to. Um, and they essentially, they also take a lot of, um, you know, overhead charges for you for to be able to transfer this money. Just for existing, they cause, you know, they charge you with bank fees and things like that. So what Bitcoin is, is essentially taking the best of both of those approaches. So you're essentially saying it's like cash in the sense that it doesn't involve any intermediaries. Nobody except you and me has to be involved in that transaction and nobody's taking any kind of overhead, but it's also digital in the sense that we can transact instantly across the world and we don't have to be in the same place at the same time. And we can have store lots of money, um, not physically, right? So I can have, you know, 10 million Bitcoin if I if I did, and I would that would be amazing. That would be amazing. A yeah. dollar, <laughs> but it would make no difference. I wouldn't have any physical restrictions on how much money I could have. So that would be my baseline explanation for just explaining what Bitcoin specifically is. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, okay. I, I I'll take that one. It's just because I I've always get asked this question myself, and I'm like I feel like I say ten or twenty different answers, and I, yeah. and I don't know if I'm in the ballpark of of for, it's, as it's other tough people. Because, it's tough because there's a couple of different uh, points that people have to kind of walk away with. One is this idea of like digital cash, which is specific to Bitcoin, um, and then two is this idea of a system that allows you to transact without an intermediary, right? And so yeah. that's essentially like the whole mechanics of what blockchains do in the sense that in a typical transaction, when two parties don't trust each other, the transaction doesn't go through because each party thinks the other one's going to cheat. And so that's why we need banks and Amazon and these types of companies that are going to come sit in the middle and essentially mitigate the risk on both sides, right? And so yeah. what blockchain is doing is this kind of mechanical system that's replacing that authority figure. Yeah, I mean it's it's always it's always the the biggest challenge is like the one the the question that I usually get followed up by what is it is why do I need it and then we have to go into this giant like the government sucks kind of situation. Yeah, the yeah, banking system is out to get you and all that stuff, and you sound all crazy. Honestly, so the way that I um, when I first learned about it and I first was like getting indoctrinated into like the crypto way. I was totally like that too, where I was like, you know, you know, F society and just like, <laughs> <laughs> like let's all live off the grid and like have complete control and everything like that. But the more I'm kind of been in this industry and I'm kind of seeing the realities of it, I'm realizing the majority of people, like what it requires for you to be um, kind of living that Bitcoin dream or whatever is for you to have radical responsibility over every aspect of your life. So you know, for example, the simplest example we can give, you know, if on Bitcoin you're trying to send money um, and you send it to the wrong address, there's nothing you or anybody can do, right? It's like, yeah. it's, it's, it's your responsibility. Whereas if you were going to send the money to the wrong account with a bank account, you could call the bank and have them revert the transaction. So it's like you're essentially having full responsibility. And if you do something wrong, nobody else can, can come and fix it for you. And yeah. I think the majority of people don't want that level of responsibility. Like a majority of people want a little bit of like, um, a little bit of like wiggle room or safety, or they want to give away some of that responsibility to somebody else. So what I kind of came to realize is like why 
blockchains are needed was not necessarily that we would just stop living the way that we are and we're just going to move on to like all live on crypto and like not have societies and things like that but it was that we now have the option to have a different system if we wanted to and so the biggest places i see these being useful is like countries like iran or venezuela or uh, greece where they had kind of big economic turmoil or they had really bad governments or regimes where uh, people didn't want people were like rebelling against it and they were going out on the streets and like dying and another regime comes in and they're just as bad or worse than the previous one and people didn't have an option they couldn't do anything except try to live with that system so it kind of makes these figures of authority have kind of unlimited power, right? Because, you know, it's kind of like the telecom companies, right? It's like yeah. they know they you don't have another option so they can treat you however, however way they want. But just knowing that you could, if you wanted to, you could rebel against this, not by being violent, but you could just rebel in a way that you stop using their systems and you start using a different system. That's super powerful. So like, I think I always give this example, like if every person in Iran right now stopped using the banking system there and started using Bitcoin, like that government would fall apart in a couple of days, you know, and it's just like, so it's kind of like giving people. And so what that does is if governments can understand that the people have an alternative, it's like it holds them a little bit more accountable. Right. So that's kind of where I am at it with it now, where I think like that could be a really good use case, but yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, you're right. I've learned the same, uh, the same way that, you know, things, this will just, this will help keep things in line, but you're right. A lot of people don't want that responsibility, especially, mm-hmm. in, in, especially in a, in a first world country, whereas third world countries yeah. need that responsibility because they're yeah. getting screwed over. So it's just kind of, you know, you yeah. have to pick your, pick and choose your battles. It's there. very interesting. Yeah. It's kind of, even with my family, cause I'm from Iran. So, um, even with my family, the way that I see the world versus my parents. It's like very different, right? Like over there, it's kind of like everyone inadvertently has that radical responsibility because they don't trust the government that they have, right? So they're trying to do everything for themselves. Whereas here, it's just kind of like, oh, let the government handle it. I'm not worried about that. And so it's kind of interesting. It's, It's a different mindset for sure. Excellent. Um, I that's a great. I'm, thank you for giving. Yeah, me that, thanks so much. Points. I have a question for you, uh, kind of personal question. Sure. Uh, so, did you screen a, a film at Cannes Film Festival? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was part of the. Um, it's not a. It's not fully, but it was part of the students. Uh, Hell section. yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was a little short film called Breakfast with Pete. Um, and it was one of these kind of like drama student film type things. So <laughs> you know, good for um, you. Good for you. Yeah. Great job. That's awesome. Must Thanks, been, what yeah. was it? Um, I always, always want to ask, I never got to go to Cannes. What do you, what did you think of your experience? Oh man, it was awesome. It was, it, it was really like, first of all, the city was really nice. Like Cannes and Nice. It, it looks, looks nice. Cool. That's for sure. And the biggest thing that was shocking was like, it was so friendly. Like everyone was so nice. Whereas I feel like typically like I've been to Paris as well and, and people are not super friendly there, but, <laughs> but in like the South of France, everyone was like so nice. It's very like Mediterranean vibe, which was really cool. Um, and then just like the events themselves were super, super glamorous. The funny thing was like um, every time we would go to like a movie premiere or something, they'd be like, um, you know how they had like the red carpets and everything, right? So like right. they would actually say that we would all like line up and they would say all you like non-famous, non-important people like run through 
the wow. red carpet first. Yeah. And get then off the carpet, run. please. We got a vacuum <laughs> yeah, after your like, run quickly, and then and then the celebrities would come in and like take pictures on there. So it was kind of like funny. That's that's interesting. Well, cool. I, we're gonna go some dandy. Yeah. I promise. Uh, I, well, yeah, I'll, it's, it's definitely worth checking out. It's a, such a cool experience. If they accept Bitcoin, I'm in. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. I always wanted to go, so I had to ask. Thanks for sharing that. And uh, one yeah, more no question worries. before uh, we let you go. So, what does the future hold for Block Geeks? What do we? What yeah, do we? What is the end game for for Block Yeah, what, what are you guys looking to forward to? Um, so we're super. So we're super fluid at Block Geeks in the sense that we're always like we always are looking at the market and we're trying to see what people need at a particular at any point. So two things we've noticed and we're kind of pivoting in that direction is one uh, kind of our education model. So we kind of started out with um, more. Like I said, Coursera style, like Udemy, like that type of like online courses where you could kind of watch at your own pace and more like that. Um, and what we found is that what students really appreciate is the, being a part of a community and getting that kind of accelerated learning. So we're pivoting our uh, education style a little bit to kind of like cohorts where you have a fixed amount of time. So instead of, you know, instead of learning this course on your own time over like two months or five months or whatever you, you have, let's say like five weeks um, and you have assignments, you have live classes, um, you have a community of, you know, 20 to 30 other students that you're all going through this together. Um, and you essentially learn in this accelerated pace. And then we kind of help connect you to jobs if that's what you're interested in. Um, and so we found that just having that kind of community and having that live interaction and that kind of like deadline um, really just helped the students learn so much more so we noticed like you have to hold them accountable yeah so we noticed that the content was essentially like similar but we noticed that you know after a month we would have students come into our accelerated program where they didn't know any any coding or they didn't know anything about the blockchain and they were leaving just kind of like able to get like jobs as developers or able to like really you know hold their own in the space you know and it was really interesting to see like the difference that five weeks or a month really makes whereas like in our previous program, you know, because with online courses, it's always like that, right? Like you start out and you're excited and then, you know, two weeks go by and then you forget about it and then you just like never learn, right? So yeah. we thought like that's how can we make this education more effective? Um, and so that's what we're kind of focusing on. Um, and then the second thing we're focusing on is moving towards um, creating more general knowledge for people who are interested in just kind of entering crypto. So not necessarily technical, but people who are um, interested in kind of like learning how to trade crypto, learning how to buy crypto, learning the basics of what a blockchain is, kind of more um, entry level, I guess, because we, we realize that even outside of developers, what we really need to focus on now is just getting more people who are not aware of this industry to kind of not be afraid to step in. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for that. I'm excited for the future of just the education in general. We'll see how, <laughs> we'll see how everything works Me out too. and where everything goes. Yeah, and thanks cool. for uh, sharing your viewpoints. Uh, like like I said earlier, you know, it's we haven't had a lot of educational-sided projects and services, so it's really nice to, to ask those questions. Um, where can we find you and uh, and actually if people just, want to get in contact yeah, with, with you, Black Geeks, whatever. What are the handles? Yeah, personally sure, or yeah. Black Geeks, yeah. Um, so for me, uh, my handle is uh, N Ravai. So N, which is like for my first name, and then Ravai, which is my last name. So R A V A E I. Um, that's on Twitter. 
Um, and then if you guys want, I also write some articles that simplify crypto concepts uh, on Medium. So my handle there is Nila Revai. So Nila Revai on Medium and Revai on Twitter. Um, and then if you guys want to follow Block Geeks as well, uh, we're on Twitter as well at uh, Block Geeks, but it doesn't have E's. So just Block Gex kind of. <laughs> okay. Got it. We'll also have this um, at the, in our description as well. Cool. Um, but yeah, I would love to hear from you guys and yeah, I would love to help. That was awesome. I liked enjoying, she had a lot of really good perspective on, on how people who are not really into crypto, how they kind of perceive it and, and what, what the hurdles that we have to really kind of overcome are going to be in the future. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think she was a little bit, uh, not surprised of our questions, but she really, you know, was, uh, was intrigued because I think it was able, you know, we don't have educational people on as often as we'd like. So we asked a couple of questions that I thought were important. And we also learned that she was, uh, uh, Cannes Fis a film festival, a student film festival. Uh, yeah. Uh, basically she's better than us at the things that we wanted to do. So, but, but I think <laughs> my favorite good. part of the podcast was First of all, of course, learning about Block Geeks, but learning about how we kind of mentioned the relation entertainment industry people have to uh, crypto. And it's more and more apparent, like I mentioned, Taylor Monahan, yeah. uh, uh, the people we know personally. Yeah, are, are, there are a lot of influencers out there who, are, who understand the value of owning your own stuff and being able to distribute your own stuff and being able to have control. But it was the do. risk that she, I think that's what she said. Was it the risk? Yeah. That, that, that it's too like, much risk it's, for, for a lot of people. But we like she's that. right. We <laughs> thrive like, on oh, the risk. Man. Oh man, yeah. I want to suffer and be creative. But yeah. aside from that, they're doing really, it sounds like they're doing really good things. And uh, they so definitely got, check them out. Their stuff is underneath in our description there. Um, and you'll find everything you need at the website. Uh, it's really interesting stuff. And, uh, we're going to keep this communication open with them, and yeah. uh, we might do some, uh, I mean, some, they do blogs. She yeah, was, we might do some news in the future with them, so that would be great. And again, guys, uh, thanks for anyone who is new, old, if you left and came back, or you, you came because of Block Geeks, we thank you. Uh, I'm Andy. And I'm Daniel. Check out thecoinboys.com, and we'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.